from the Lord. So we're going to go to the book of Acts, Acts 24. We are so glad for all of the visitors that are in the house today. Amen, 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 amen. And you don't have to wear that tag long. You won't be around here long, though you won't be a visitor anymore. Amen? Thank God. We're all brothers and sisters headed to the same place. I said we're headed to the same place. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Acts 24. We are so happy to be back with you again today and so glad for the last few weeks we've got to spend with you and uh, enjoy your fellowship and break the bread of life with you. Acts 24. Verse 22. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. Paul had been brought before men and they were they were trying to get, they were wanting to kill him, what they wanted to do. Paul was upsetting their lifestyles with his testifying and preaching and teaching and so they had him arrested and Felix was the governor of Judea and so they had brought Paul before him and Felix was married to Drusilla and she was an Israelite woman she was a Jewess and so he knew more about the uh, the Israelite religion than most people would being Romans so when they brought him before Felix and Paul began to testify, Felix, Felix said, well, when the guard, Lysias, gets here, I'm going to find out. Because they were accusing Paul of causing trouble. They said he's in the, he's in the temple, he's causing problems. Paul wouldn't cause any problems. They just did not like the fact that he was preaching truth. And truth was upsetting their little apple cart because they had traditions that were contrary to the word of God. And so when truth begins to upset people's traditions, then they begin to try to look around for some force that can bring against that person to make them straighten up and quit telling truth. And this is what was happening in Paul's life. And so in verse 23, it said, And he, being Felix, commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. This governor appointed a man who was over a hundred soldiers and said, let him have liberty, let him have people come and visit with him, let him have friends that come and talk with him. He can't leave, but allow him to have liberties. He's not just in prison. Verse 24, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. God was evidently dealing with Felix already. His wife had been telling him somewhat about the religion and what was going on. And so he decided, I'm going to call Paul in and find out a little bit more about what all is going on here. I don't, I don't understand it all. I need somebody to tell me. So in verse 25, and as he, being Paul, reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I want to preach to you a little while this morning 
on the season that never comes. The season that never comes. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for your power and your love. We're thankful, Lord, today for your spirit flowing in our midst. For those that you've touched already and those you're going to touch, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you, Lord, again for letting us come into your house. And thank you for health and strength. And thank you, Lord, for the power that's in your word. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Lord bless you. You can be seated. The season that never comes. The story of Paul is an intriguing one. And it's one filled with the power of God and the, and the witness of what God can do in a life. Saul, or Paul, had one time been known as Saul, and he was an executioner of Christians. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a man that felt like this Christian religion was off base and was converting people to a, a, a non-truth, and so he began to fight against them. He began to come against Jesus' name, baptism, and just anything that had to do with Jesus. Paul didn't understand, or Saul didn't understand that that the, the story of Jesus, and so he was fighting against this. He became so adamant in his fighting against the, the Christian religion that he went to the high priest and to others that were in authority, and he gained letters from them, giving him authority and giving him power to go and find the Christians and root them out. He busted up families. He, he broke into homes and drug people away in the middle of the night. He imprisoned men and women he had men and women executed because they believed in a religion that he did not believe in. He was totally against Christianity at one place. Paul would later become the most prolific writer of the New Testament. He's, I think about 17 books were ascribed to Paul's handwriting. But at this time, Paul was totally against what they were doing. Paul was against all this worshiping they were doing. He was against baptizing in Jesus' name. He was against the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave other. He was totally against everything that was going on in Christian religion. And so he was fighting against them. But then the story comes of a day when Paul is on his way. He's headed down a road toward Damascus. And in the middle of that road, in the middle of all of his friends, all of a sudden a great light begins to shine on him. And to use an old expression that we use sometimes, God literally knocked him off his high horse. He wound up on the ground, flat on his back, and the Bible said this light was brighter than the noonday sun. The light of God was shining on his life, and that one experience, that one touch of the power of God changed Paul's mind forever. He said, Who art thou, Lord? What Paul was saying was, Whoever's got that power, he'll be my Lord. Whoever's got that kind of power to bring me off my high horse and outshine the noonday sun. Paul was just beginning to get a touch and a realization of how much power God had. He would see many more manifestations of the power of God. Paul would have conversations with angels. Paul would see things that we won't see until we get to heaven probably. He would have relationships, Brother Tom, with God in ways that most people never will know. 
but on this day he had just felt the power of God for the first time but that one touch convinced him it's more than just a bunch of rules and regulations it's more than just do's and don'ts praise God there's something powerful involved in this thing hallelujah it's more than a bunch of people getting into a corner and having a little prayer meeting no 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 there's a God involved with this thing there's a power involved with this thing that's the same thing a lot of people find when they come to the house of God I don't know what you might have heard about Pentecost I don't know what you might have heard about baptism in Jesus name I don't know what you might have heard about infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues I don't know what you believe about angelic visitation but I'm going to tell you there's a God involved in this thing there's a power that flows through here that is not of this world that is not of humanity that is not of flesh praise God there's a glory that settles in the house of God and brings us into a place with God higher than anything you'll ever know clap your hands all over the building to God hallelujah Paul was just learning it. But I'm going to tell you something. That one experience with God would be Paul's testimony for the rest of his life. That one initial impact of the power of God. He would testify before kings. He would take it before rulers and tell them about a day when he was going about his own business, when he was doing what he thought was right, when all of a sudden the power of God came on him and allowed him to learn that he wasn't right. He wasn't going the way he should be going. People have traditions and people have customs that they're very much convinced of. But brothers and sisters, I'm telling you now, if they don't have power involved in it, it's not of God because God is power, praise God. And he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm glad you get power to overcome the flesh. I'm glad we get power to overcome the devil. I'm glad we get power to overcome the world. I'm glad the power that God puts inside us will pick you up on a down day. It'll give you strength on a weak day. It'll give you healing on a sick day. And on any day, it can take us out of here to that new heaven and new earth. Clap your hands again. Had a little boy in the church one time where we pastored and he had learned after a little while the, the, the way things were and every time I'd take my coat off he'd look at his mom and say, you go preach now. <laughs> Getting serious now, praise God. I want somebody to understand we're not in just an ordinary church today. We're not in just another building on the block today. You have come to the house of the living God. You've come to a place where the God that changes your world, changes your life. He will, my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus said the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and it more abundant, praise God. God's got an abundant life for you. God's got joy unspeakable and full of glory. God's got power to put in your life. Hallelujah, he's got joy that'll flow from a well that'll never go dry. Paul used his testimony. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. The devil loves to make people feel like your testimony is not enough. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, you need to tell your testimony. You need to let people hear how you came to God. Because there's somebody out there in the same condition you were in. And God's going to hook you up with them. He's going to join you to them. And your testimony will open doors of understanding to them. Because they need to hear that God worked in your life. Praise God. Paul was an educated man. He was probably one of the most educated men of all the New Testament writers. But you know what? When he was writing, he told his everyday experience with God. Because your everyday experience with God is what people need to hear. Every once in a while, we have encounters with angels. Every once in a while, we have encounters with devils. Every once in a while, we have dynamic things that happen. But I'm just going to tell you, every day of the week when I wake up, whether there's an angel waiting down the road or the devil I'm going to fight, I'm going to tell you my God's just as real on this day as he is on that day. My God's as real on Tuesday as he is on Sunday. My God's as ready to help me today as he will be next week. I want you to understand he loves getting involved in everyday lives, praise God. I marvel at two things. The depths that people can get themselves into in, 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 in the devil's kingdom. I marvel at people that can get so involved in witchcraft and so involved in drugs and so involved in alcohol. But you know what I marvel in even more? How my God can reach to the deepest depth. How my God can reach down years of abuse. How my God can reach through hours of alcoholism and pull you out of that and deliver you so you never ever want another drink. So you never ever need another pill. So you never have to get involved with the mob again. So you don't have to get all of that mess in your life. God will put a message and a testimony into your life. Praise God. And we enjoy hearing people talking and telling how I was, I was a gang member and God got a hold of my life and somehow God delivered me out of that. We enjoy hearing people talk about how they were, they were alcoholics and God delivered them out of that. But I want you to know something. God can use your testimony. If you've never been an alcoholic, if you've never been a drug addict, if you've never been a gang member, if you've never been any of that bad stuff, you don't have to have a prison rep behind you for God to move in your life and for that testimony to shake somebody to the very core of their being. There are people that just need to hear you know what? I was a carpenter and God got a hold of me. I was working on the job one day and God got a hold of me. I was a roughneck in the oil field and God used another roughneck to tell me that God loves you. God will save you. God will change your life. Your testimony has power involved in it. Don't be afraid to use it. Praise God. Come on, clap your hands all over the building. The devil gets us all messed up. Well, no, you, you, you need to tell something more dramatic than just your testimony. You need, you need to tell something flat. No, no, no. There's people out there that just simply need to know I was a housewife and God loved me. I was at home working in the kitchen and God got a hold of my heart. I want you to know God can move in your life anywhere you are. God's not just looking for bad people. He's looking for good people that just need a little more revelation in their life. 
There's all kinds of believers in our world today, but you know what? I was a believer for years. I just didn't understand there was another step, and that was receiving. I believed in God, but I'd never been told I could receive the power of God until God hooked me up with some old roughnecks on an oil rig, and we'd be working, and then when we got through working, we'd stand around, and they'd begin to tell me how God was dealing with them. And in my mind, Brother Gandhi, I'm thinking that's just what God's doing in me right now, praise God. They would tell me how God had got involved in their heart, and I think that's what God's doing in me right now. And finally they told me about the time they received the Holy Ghost, and that at first I rejected it. Oh, no, 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 that tongue talking business. No, no, our religion don't have that. But you know what? God knows how to work. Because I was the first guy I ever heard speaking tongues. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. God filled me with the power of God. And I'm not claiming, I'm not done bragging on it. I'm just simply telling you that God proved himself to me. God showed me. And now I'm going to tell you, you come too late to tell me God can't heal. I've been healed. You come too late to tell me God can't deliver because I've been delivered. You come too late to tell me God can't get involved in your marriage because I've had God get involved in my marriage. You come too late to tell me God can't get a hold of your children because I've had God reach down and get a hold of my children, praise God. You come too late to tell me that power's not real by the time we know it is real, praise God. Oh, lift your hands and love him all over the building, Lord. We're so thankful, we're so thankful, we're so thankful that you're a real living God. We're so thankful, God, that there's people in here with real testimonies. We're thankful, God, there's people in here that you have touched and changed their lives. Praise God. Somebody, somebody said one time, well, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer for? Let me get, let me limit you in the little salesman's secret. I've sold all kinds of stuff. I've, I've been a salesman a long time. Still a salesman. One of the best things I can have is somebody say, if somebody asks me a question and I don't know quite the whole answer. Because, brother, that's a guarantee I'm going to get back in. What a salesman wants more than that first time in your house is that second time in your house. I would look at them and say, you know, you're pretty sharp because you just asked me a question nobody's ever asked before. But I'll get the answer and I'll bring it back next week at two, uh, on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Have your wife get some cake ready. I love coffee and cake. Chocolate, vanilla, it don't matter to me. And I, we're not against any kind of cake. Pecan, I don't care. Just cook it up. We used to have this couple, I was telling them yesterday, there was a couple the first year we were in church, just about every week, two or three times a week, we were at their house or they were at our house. We didn't have a chance to backslide. Because we would be at church together, and, and the wife would come up and she'd say, hey, y'all want to come over? I got a cake. Well, Sister Carolyn, who, in, who is going to turn down a cake? I look at my wife and say, she's got a cake. Okay, well, come by. I didn't know the cake was still in the box. I didn't know she was going to leave early and go home and put it in the oven. But Tom, she had a cake, all right, and, and she would, she'd laugh. She'd say, yeah, I made it from scratch. Scratched it out of the box. But that 
couple, when we get to heaven, I'm going to look them up and let them know those cakes you had in the box that you cooked up and got us over there and then explained to us what we saw at church and didn't understand. The time when we had questions in our life and you called in the middle of the afternoon and said, hey, we just feel like we want to come over and visit a while tonight. Every time the devil would throw us a curve, that couple was sensitive enough to have to feel it and they would call and come by and answer our questions. That's the kind of church you walked into today where God can talk to other people and say, call that couple up and set an appointment with them. Call and invite them to dinner and help them pray through that situation. Help them get through that thing that's bothering them. Praise God. I thank God for the church, don't you? But a salesman loves them. I say, well, man, what they, what they got a question? You know what? Paul never used the Greek. He never used the Hebrew. He said, let me tell you about a night. Well, let me tell you about a time when I was headed down the road. And that testimony, Brother Tom, shook kings in their shoes. Just the fact that God would reach down into a life. A guy that was trying to tear the church up. God loved him so much that he looked past his faults and saw his needs. Praise God. God loved him so much that he reached down and got a hold of that life. And then he set Paul down with an elderly couple that spent about two years opening his understanding and training him before he went out into evangelistic work. But Saul, the executioner, became Paul, the evangelist, praise God, and God used him to turn the world upside down, praise God. I'm telling you, God has invested into the church the power to change our world, the power to change politics, the power to change governments, praise God. Lift your hands and love the Lord. Lift them and love him. Thank you, Lord, for the power. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Paul stood before this man and began to speak to him. And while he did, this man began to tremble, the Bible said. And then he said, Paul, let me, let, let me just say something, Paul, this is not a good time. Let me call you back at a convenient season. Brothers and sisters, there ain't never going to be a convenient season. Visitors, I'm just going to tell you, this church does everything they can to make it easy for you. This church does everything they can to make it easy for you to come and understand. This church will love you. This church, this pastor that you heard teaching this morning will teach you the word of God and give you time to get an understanding of it. He's not demanding of you. He's not commanding you to do something. He's laying the word of God out and allowing you to understand it and get, get to a point where you can walk in it. Praise God. This church will love you. This church is not going to condemn you. This church is not going to look down on you. They're not going to look at the way you're dressed or how you look and say, you got to change. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to say, let's go to heaven together. Let's get out there ourselves in line with God and let's just go to heaven together. Let's overcome the devil together. I'll tell you how I've done it and you can just take that and go with it. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody this morning. I'm telling you, Paul was reasoning with him. And the man said, Paul, let me just call you when it's convenient. Somewhere, every one of you are going to have to get some work to. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have to get some work to to go to heaven. It's not just going to happen overnight. 
There's never going to be a day when it's going to be like one of those game shows that they have on TV. That I hear people talk about all the time. Uh, I want door three. I want everybody behind door three. That's what I want. And door three opens and there's heaven. Wow. Who'd have thought it? Brother, I'm telling you now, I can tell by the way you worship God here this morning. You got to want to down the road somewhere in your past. Somewhere there was a day when God got involved in your life. And you said, you know what? I want that more than I want anything. I want that more than I want drink. I want that more than I want drugs. I want that more than I want alcohol. I want that more than I want a party. I want that more than I want anything in this world. I want to go to heaven, praise God. I want the power of God in my life. You're going to have to get a want to. You're going to have to get something down inside of you. are going to have to say, you know what? It's not convenient. It's never convenient to get off alcohol. Never. They're going to, they, but I'm going to tell you what. God can deliver you off of it, and you never have the, the withdrawals. You never have any of that. When you commit your heart unto God, I'm going to tell you right now, God can give you the victory because that's what he said I want to do. It's not your fight. It's mine. He wants to show you that his power is greater than the devil. The devil has brought so much stuff into people's lives. And then they've advertised it and make it seem like that's the way everybody ought to be. Advertisers are smart. I can remember years ago driving down the highway and you see this billboard. It's a snowy landscape. There are beautiful mountains in the background. There's a big guy with broad shoulders and a cowboy hat. And he's got that Levi coat on and he's got his Levi pants on and got his adjusted boots on. And he's got sitting on a $10,000 quarter horse stallion. And that's Marlboro country. Everybody ought to want one of them. Man, you'll look like the Marlboro man. The Marlboro man died with lung cancer. What the real picture from Marlboro country ought to be a hospital ward. And you ought to be hearing somebody sucking air trying to get another breath. And you ought to be looking at a little skinny, frail body that that's been eat up by cancer because that's Marlboro country. I remember they used to have another big billboard that showed this piano. I can see it in my mind going down the road. There was a black a grand piano sitting there. And there was a lady standing in front of it in slinky nightgown. And she's adorned beautifully and she's got her hair just right. And they got they got some kind of whiskey sitting up there and that's what that's all about. That's whiskey country. No, 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 it's not. It's on a slick road one night. It's a crash of glass and a bending of metal and bodies torn apart and it's an emergency room where families have come together and they're weeping and crying saying, God, have mercy. God, would you have mercy? That's the whiskey country. If you want to advertise it like it ought to be, that's what it's all about they put the drugs out and make it sound so cool man that's a cool guy he's got drugs in his life he's got chains hanging off of him he's got a gun in his pocket no that's not it what's it it's a morgue somewhere with him laying on a cold slab with holes all in him from somebody just drove by let's just be honest today it's not going to be convenient to get out of the things that hell has brought into your life but I've got a God that can deliver you if you set your mind on heaven he'll set you free from hell praise God I've got a God that's ready and willing to get involved in all of your life praise God oh come on we'll love him a little bit more of the power of God 
is in this building today. The glory of God is in this building. God's trying to get somebody to understand. It may not be convenient, but it's right. You know what? We go through great pains and great expense trying to hold on what we can't keep, brother. You can't keep this life. Now you can spend all your days and all your nights in a gym pumping iron. You can throw the medicine ball, you can run, you can do other, you can get built up like Charles Atlas. Some of you young people don't know who that was. He was before Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was before all those others. Had pictures of him in the magazine. He's kicking dirt in some guy's face. Be like Charles Atlas. You don't have to be a wimp. And people would work out and work out and work out and work out. And then next thing you know, they're not working out anymore, and all that turned into something else, and it's all dropped. All those muscles have a way of dropping. <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you right now, you spend all your life in that, and then one day pull a tendon, and you'll never go back to the gym again. And you've spent all your money, and you've done all of that for something you can't hold on to. People go to all kinds of expensive resorts. They do all kinds of expensive medical procedures trying to hold. And I'm not against that. If, you, if, that's what, if you need an operation, go get one. But you need a pacemaker. I love pacemakers. I got one. This is my second one. I'm thankful for it. I got down to 28 beats per minute, and you don't think that'll slow you down. All my life, they told me to slow down. And then when I did, they got all excited. Man, you're dying. No, I'm not dying. Yeah, you are dying. You just don't know you're dying. So they put a pump in me. Man, I'm ready to run now, praise God. <laughs> I thank God for all of that. But I'm going to tell you what. I know full well there's a day coming when the Lord calls my name and nothing they got will keep me here. Nothing they got will keep life in me. Nothing they got will keep me on this planet. I'm going to another place so a long time ago. I said, you know what? I'm not going to spend all my time trying to hold on to something I can't keep anyway. I'm going to invest my time in a place that I can never lose, praise God. I'm going to invest my time in a place where there's no cancer, no heart attack, no strokes, none of that. No drugs, no hatred, no malice, no strife. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I could run these aisles a little bit just thinking about heaven. I could run these aisles a little bit just thinking about what God can do in a life. Praise God. Oh, my Lord of heaven. Clap your hands all over the building. Clap them all over the building. Leave your neighbor and say, I want to go to heaven. All of these people you see around here right now, some of their hands in the air, they got to want to. They got to want to. Listen, there's two kinds of crowns mentioned in Revelation. The Bible talks about us wearing crowns. There's two in, in the Greek that are talked about. One is a Stephanos. It's come from Stephen, the martyr. It's a martyr's crown. And there'll be some that will have a Stephanos crown. They'll be martyred. But there's another one called a diadema. That's an overcomer's crown. That means you've overcome the flesh. That means when it wasn't convenient, you went to a prayer meeting. That means when it wasn't convenient, you fasted a few days. That means when it wasn't convenient, you sat down and read your Bible rather than sitting and watching a football game. That means when everything wasn't like you ought to be, you still live for God. That means on the high days, you live for God, and on the low days, you live for God. 
I'll be for God on the mountain and walking through the valley. I'll still praise him. I've learned that when I praise him in a valley, God will put a well in that thing and plant a tree in that thing. And the next time I come through, there'll be shade and refreshing in a valley. But my mind is made up. I'm, I'm passing through that valley. I'm going through that hard time. I'm Sister Gail, I may be in a little while, but don't weep for me because God's going to bring me out of it. Forty-five years I've been living for God, and I have learned there is nothing that God can't bring me out of. There's nothing God can't bring me up above. He said, I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll give you power beyond anything you understand. I'll do things above and beyond you can even imagine, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I feel God talking to somebody in this building today. Somewhere you got to get a want to. Oh, I feel God in this place today. There's a mighty move of the Spirit flowing through here today. If somebody would just allow him today, God will turn your whole world around. He'll give you life rather than death. He'll give you joy rather than chaos. He'll give you peace rather than all that mess the world's bringing into your life. Some people have a hard time. It's not convenient to lay down their pride. We are so foolish. We, not just you, but we. We get so caught up in our pride. A boy gets to growing, and man, he all of a sudden, he feels like he's a big guy. He gets pride all in his life, and he does foolish things, and years later, he looks back and says, Oh, God, you were so merciful to me. I know, because I was him. And we, we, it's just pride. It's just foolish, fleshly pride. But you know what? If you'll turn that pride over to God, God, I'm giving up what I am for what you can make me into me. God will not just give you life. He'll give you honor. He will honor you, praise God. He will have respect unto you. I read it in the Word of God where God had respect unto men. The men that walked around like me and you, that the God of heaven had respect unto them. Because Brother Tom, like you and I talked about the other day, God said, I can trust you. I can believe in you like you believe in me. I can have faith in you like you have faith in me, praise God. There's a God that wants that kind of commitment and that kind of relationship where he looks at you and says, I can trust him. I can believe in him. God believed in Job when everybody was saying, he's no good, he's messed up. God was saying, there's nothing wrong with him. He's never going to curse me. He's never going to deny me. And he brought Job out the other side of that thing. Doubly blessed, praise God. My, my, my. you got to get a want to. Brother Alan Odds preached the message and then later wrote a book. And they had it on national television. They had it on national radio. It went up before thousands. It was put into hundreds of countries around the world. Brother Odds is simply saying you got to have a want to. You got to be willing to get up and try. You got to be willing. I, I, I was amazed. He was telling us one time. He was preaching at our church. And we got to talk to them, and he got to telling us about trying to learn about to ride a bicycle. Brother Oz was born with terrible disabilities. All of his life, he had terrible disabilities. But as a young boy, he wanted to ride a bicycle. And he would wake up at night and sweat thinking about that bicycle. 
he would look at that bicycle and it would be like a crouching tiger because it always flipped him on his face and his mama kept telling him, Alan, let's don't do this. Alan, I'll get you something else. Alan, let's, let's not do it. And he, he was saying, no, no, mom, I'm going to ride. And one day he rode that bicycle. He may, you say, preacher, that's not much. I know that's not much, but to that boy, that was a whole new revelation. That was a whole new level in life. He was able to overcome that thing. I'm telling you, whatever it is in your life, you're needing to overcome. If you just won't give up, if you just won't let people talk you into just living that way, just accept it. No, I'm not going to accept it. I've got a God that said he would give me victory. I would be more than a conqueror, praise God. Lift your hands again and love him. Lord in Jesus. Brother Cruz, if you'll come, I'm going to close in just a few minutes. Praise God. I'm telling you, you got to get a want to. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you this. Your husband may not want it the same time you do, honey. But you go ahead and get a want to and get close to God. And let God deal with him. You love him. You honor him. You respect him. And then you watch God turn him around. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I remember a couple years and years and years ago, the woman would go to church and go to church and go to church and she would pray and she would pray and she would pray and she'd talk to the husband and he didn't want to hear it and he'd get mad. He'd fuss at her and carry on and, and tell her, I'm not going to that. I'm not ever going to that. Don't bother, don't bother me about that. I don't, you go, but I'm not, I'm not going. Don't bother me. And one day that little woman, years went by. And she still was faithful to God. She had a want to. I want God in my life. I want God in our home. I want God in our marriage. One day she was praying at home and God spoke to her and said, go to the store and buy three suits. One for the night he repents. One for the night he gets baptized. And one for the day he receives the Holy Ghost. That little woman went to the store Bought the suits, bought some shirts to go with it, and bought some new shoes. Didn't say a word about it, hung them in the closet. A couple of days later, the husband came walking in, and he had one of those suits. He said, who does this belong to? She said, you. He said, me? She said, I was praying the other day, and God told me to go buy three of them. One for the night you repent. One for the night you get baptized. And one for the day you receive the Holy Ghost. And standing right there in that kitchen, tears begin to run out of those eyes. He said, you know what? I wasn't convinced that you were convinced until today. And now I know you're really convinced. And I'm going. He wore that. It happened just like God said. He wore that first one and got, he got down and he went to the altar and gave it all to God. He just laid it all out. A couple of days later, he got baptized in Jesus' name. And Brother Gandhi, it wasn't far down the road till that man came into the building one day and the presence of God was there like it was this morning. And when he lifted those hands, God filled him with the power of the Holy Ghost. I was preaching a revival in Aransas Pass, Texas, a few years ago. For two weeks, there was a couple there. That they both had been in church one time, and they both got away, and 
the, the wife decided she wanted to come back and she came to that revival and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And for two weeks, she would either have to sneak out of the house or she'd jump in one of the cars and take off for church. And I remember the night he rammed his car into her car three times on the way to church. He didn't want her to go. I mean, tearing their vehicles up. She came running in the building, screaming and crying, carrying on, my husband's trying to kill me. And everybody's wondering what we do. Now, there's about a dozen people in here packing today. But that then, what? What are we going to do? And the husband come tearing in the back door. He grabbed her and out the door, went some of them, went out and talked to him a while. And about two nights later, God got a hold of that heart. And he loaded her in that old bent-up Buick and drove her down to that parking lot and came in and prayed back through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That woman had a want to. I want to live for God. I want to have all that God's got in my life. I want to have the power of God in our home. I want to have angelic visitation around my children at night. I want them to lay down at night and go to sleep and there be a wall and a hedge built around them out of the power of God. I want to be able to pray and feel fever go out of their little brow. I want to be able to get down beside their bed and pray and God guard them against all the other things that are going on. I want to be able to see God hold them, not let them get into drugs. If you're here today and you never got into alcohol, you never got into drugs, you got a better testimony than anybody else because you know God can keep you. You know God can keep you, praise God. Paul said, now unto him that is able to keep me. He said, I know who I believe. I know he's able to keep that which I entrusted unto him against that day if you're here today and you know God can keep you. Why don't you stand to your feet? If you're here today and you know God can deliver you, why don't you stand to your feet? If you're here today and you gotta want to, I want to get out of this stuff that hell is bringing against me. I want to get my life in line with the power of God and the word of God. I want to get God involved in my home. Everybody in the building, lift your hands and love him, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, in the power of the Holy Ghost, in the power, I'm telling somebody today, there's never going to be a convenient day. There's just going to be a day come when you say, you know what, I know we're supposed to go meet the in-laws for lunch, but I want to go pray first. I know we're supposed to go home and watch the ball game, but I want to get baptized first. I know we're supposed to go out with the, uh, the gang, but I'm not wanting to go with the gang. I want to get involved with that gang that's on their way to heaven, praise God. I want to get involved with that gang whose leader is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, praise God. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody today. It may not be convenient, but your heart is stirred. Why don't you just come to this altar today and pour it all out to God? God, I want to I want to get right. God, I want my soul right. I want my spirit right. We've got people here today that know how to help you pray. 
I want some of our leaders to come right now to these altars. Other people are coming because God said there are people there that have a want to. They got a want to. They don't know how, but they got a want to.